listening to the Astral Hour. I'm your host, Astral Meadow. Join me as we take a glimpse into the mysterious. Welcome everyone. I have a very special episode planned for you all today. I am joined once again by my friend Philip Clift. After our last interview, we started chatting about ideas for future episodes, and we thought it would be cool to do something for Samhain. We decided to focus on death, the afterlife, and rebirth for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me again. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's always a good time when I'm around you, so. And it's a full moon. I know. What are the odds, right? I know. Definitely meant to be, so. Um, all right, so for my first question... Um, Based on some of the different beliefs and ideas that you've studied over the years, how do you imagine the moment of death? Mm, okay. Uh, well, I've never personally had a near-death experience. Though I've had several close calls that were, I think, similar and kind of attuned me to that realm a little bit. Um, you know, it's interesting because... Uh, each time that I, that I had these, one was a, one was a drug related experience where I felt like I was overdosing and I felt like I was being pulled out of the crown of my head. And mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a panic situation. So I needed, uh-huh. I had to get, you know, but intuitively I knew to go outside and put my feet on the earth and that grounded me. So that right. really made it a lot better. But the, it's interesting because that time and the other times, a few times I would, have hydroplaned on the interstate Mm -hmm. and I, you know, like I briefly see my life flash before my, you know, and it's just like, Oh my God. And, but you know, I kept thinking my mom is going to be so hurt and so disappointed every time. Like she's put all this effort into raising me, you know, and here I am, you know, killing myself before, before she goes, you know, right. Which is, which is really interesting that that would be the the thing that came to my mind, but it was every single time. Attachment to the earth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, also with the with the near death experiences, you know, there there are there's a lot of information out there about that. People have had, you know, them and they go into great detail about their experience, you know. But one thing I'd like to emphasize is, is that even though uh, these people have experienced the afterlife or the afterlife realm briefly, you know, and then come back, they still do that through their own lens of perception. Right. So it's it's kind of filtered through what they already know uh-huh. and what they believe. Right. So it may not be, you know, 100% accurate. Right, because we're all going to see yeah. something different. Um, I think of like what dreams may come. It's like he sort of creates his own yeah. realm, you know? So Absolutely. Like your idea would be different than mine. Of know? course, it would have to be. So we're all going to experience something slightly, somewhat different, you right. know, based on what we believe personally and what we've been exposed to. So, yeah. 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 Um, what I'm basing my uh, ideas about this on is something called the ageless wisdom. Okay. Okay, and I just want to give a, a brief definition. Of, uh, it's a, Essentially, it's information and understanding acquired through psychic impressions and clairvoyant perception. That's been corroborated through, you know, the ages, through different historical eras, through different backgrounds, 
by people who had no previous knowledge of one another. So these people are all coming up with similar ideas uh-huh. and getting similar information. So to me, this is very akin to what mainstream culture refers to as the scientific method. Right, right. You know, so it's like, you know, ideas, speculation, hypothesis, hypotheses, theory that have been tested and subjected to scrutiny uh-huh. for millennia. Right. You know, for thousands of years. Right. Science and spirituality was completely combined up until recently. Like, it was always hand in hand. You know, Mm. we just now started separating it. Absolutely. So, and, um, you know, um, because much of the information has been corroborated, I feel like it's pretty reliable. Right. You know, so I feel confident that there's at least a certain degree of validity to this stuff, even though nobody knows for sure. Right. We're just coming up with our own yeah. theories and sharing them. And yeah. Yeah. So the Ageless Wisdom, okay, this this is, we need to do a little bit of background before we really get into it. So the Ageless Wisdom says that a human being is composed of seven layers okay. or seven like uh, energy sheaths, okay. I guess you would say. Um, it's important to understand that these go from m- farthest inward, mm-hmm. the micro world, towards the external world. Okay, so our physical body is the most external of these. Mm-hmm. All the rest of the layers go inwardly. Okay. Okay. Not out into space, but deep inside. Okay. All right. Uh, the deepest layer is the Atman. A-T-M-A-N. It's our innate divinity. So it's the part that's connected, most intimately connected with the divine. Okay. All right. Then we got the booty. So that's spiritual in essence. Uh, then we have manas, which is mind or intellect. Mm-hmm. All right. And then kama, uh, that would be our emotions, our emotional body, passions, desires, things of that nature. Then we have prana, the subtle energy, like our chakras, our aura, mm-hmm. you know, all the, uh, you know, prana, kundalini energy that we, you know, experience in yoga. Um, yeah, it's our, you know, vitality, essentially. And then we have what's called the linga sharira, or our astral body, mm-hmm. and that's going to be really important with our discu- our discussion coming up. Okay. And then the stula sharira, or our physical body, so okay. the the most material aspect of us. Okay. Uh, another thing that's important uh, in the ageless wisdom or theosophy, much of the uh, ageless wisdom comes from. Uh, Theosophy, which Helena Blavatsky started back in the mid 1800s, mm-hmm. um, and she kind of combined a lot of the religions together, like the links, and um, you know, and that's why it makes so much sense. Is because she's pulling it from all of the sources. She's like the first person that really did that for us. She intuitively integrated all that in yeah. her own consciousness, you know, right. and came up with a with a blended theory, and it it really works out well together yes it's so nice to see it all yeah it's very convenient (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's super well done in my opinion so a thing that's really important to understand when when theosophists use the term ego they're talking about the reincarnating soul not the conditioned personality right so not like freudian not the freudian yeah 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 so uh that's super important so anytime i say ego and this it's going to be referring Unless I say that it's the conditioned personality, I'll be referring to the soul. Okay. okay. Um, so at the moment of death, uh, breathing stops. Mm-hmm. That's how we know someone's dead because they're not breathing anymore, right. right? Vitality leaves the physical body. 
and the astral body begins to detach itself mm -hmm. because the astral body is what goes to the next layer of consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, while this is happening, the mind is highly active. So Helena Blavatsky writes, I'm going to quote her here. So at the solemn moment of death, every um, man, woman, even when death is sudden, sees the whole of their past life marshaled before them in its minutest details. For one short instant, the personal becomes one with the individual and all-knowing ego, or the soul, the reincarnating soul. But this instant is enough to show them the whole chain of causes which have been at work during their lives. They see and now understand themselves as they are unadorned by flattery or self-deception. They read their lives, remaining as a spectator, looking down into the arena they are quitting. They have just left. Mm -hmm. All right. So they feel and know the justice of all the suffering that has overtaken them. So they, they, they have a, a really profound understanding. They actually, they see themselves more objectively. Right. Essentially, instead of subjectively, like lost in their own drama. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... Um, I feel like that that is pretty universal, you know, from a variety of different sources that that's the case at the moment of death. It's like your life flashes before your right, eyes. Like, you know? a, like you're watching a movie and yeah. you're just experiencing some of the feelings or the subtleties that maybe you weren't focused on so much while you were alive. But like once you cross over, you're like, oh, wow, that action really affected yeah. maybe this other person and i never even picked up on it exactly you know, so. yeah you've gained quite a bit of clarity in that way which is extremely valuable for what you experience next right yeah yeah Interesting. yeah i feel yeah. like anytime i read the near-death experiences they always say that you know yeah my, my yeah. life my life flashed before my eyes like you had all those epiphanies um you know your whole story yeah 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 so we don't get to hide from that. There's no escaping it. You know, it's it's right there in front of us, and we, you know, have to come to terms with it for where we go next. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, where do we go next? Yeah. Well, after the after our life flashes before our eyes, essentially, we move into what's known as the Kama Loka, or the place of desire. Uh, it's the um, Hades or purgatory okay. that we've seen described by the ancient people and, you know, the not so ancient people just, um, you know, purgatory is relatively, you know, recent name for the same, uh, the same place. It's important to understand that this is not hell. Right. You know, a lot of people think of Hades as hell. There's somehow they become synonymous, and yeah. so, but they're, but they're not. Right. It's two completely different things. So, um, the Kamaloka is located in the astral region okay. surrounding and penetrating earth and relates directly to the fourth layer that we talked about earlier, the Kama. Um, so the ruling force would be the emotions, the desires, the passions, um, 
at this point, divorced from the intellect. So it's kind of like raw passion or raw desire. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the soul could potentially be detained here due to high-level um, energies surrounding some unfulfilled desire from life. Okay. Yeah, so depending on how strong that was at the moment of death, um, it could be... It's like it has to be played out right. eventually, you know. Um, so they may not be able to move forward. The soul may not be able to move forward until that desire is played out in some way by someone on earth or by the soul itself. So you can kind of get stuck here a little bit. You can get stuck in Kamaloka. Yeah, right. So yeah. this is like, I'll, I've read about people saying like when you die with like really harsh addictions, yes. that it keeps you here because you're still like, like there's this like craving, but it's like you can never like, you know, satisfy it. So um, it's like important to face a lot of that stuff while you're alive so that you don't carry that heaviness with you. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't face it while you're alive, then chances are you're going to repeat it again. Right. You know, in the next life. Because uh, the de like you said, the desire has to be fulfilled or you have to come to a sense of balance or harmony with it in some way. Right. Yeah. Where you're not seeking it out, yeah, you know, after you yeah. cross over, you're not like, I still need, you know, that cigarette or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the Kamaloka is, it's a, it's, it's a subjective realm. And we navigate it in kind of a dazed state as if we've been hit by a violent blow. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like we're um, walking around stunned. Yeah. You know, um, like, how did we get here? Right, shocked. What, like, what happened? What just happened? It's like, almost you don't even realize for a time what's going on. So there's mm -hmm. no recognition of friends or loved ones. Um, the reason that we're dazed is because the uh, the upper triad of the, of the layers that I mentioned early, the Atman, Buddha, Manazic uh, triad is separating itself from the lower nature. Okay, so you're really like sh starting to shed layers. Yeah, it's of... like a, sh a snake shedding its skin in mm. a lot of ways. So right. you're getting rid of the things that were holding you or grounding you into physical reality mm -hmm. so that you can move into the higher frequency realms. So this is like the world between worlds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah it's like the tree that the snake moves through to shed its skin. So it's not a bad thing. It's not mm -hmm. a bad thing. And it has to be done so that we can move into the next phase, which is known as Devachan okay. or the Devachanic state. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I was thinking about this and I, 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 I believe that we actually access this realm consciously at times, mm -hmm. like in deep meditation or during like really intense entheogen trips. Okay. Um, you know, lucid dreaming maybe or mm -hmm. astral projection. Yeah. Some people like you are <laughs> able to astrally project. So when you do that, you know, you're actually penetrating into uh, purgatory. Right. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Right. So it's yeah. like at that moment, you know, um, I have lots of visions of my father or, you know, some of my deceased loved ones. It's not all the time. Like, but there's like every now and then, and it's usually not even my intention. I will cross them mm -hmm. or I'll get like an impression of a memory of them. Yeah. You know, like my dad, um, watches like movies with me sometimes and he'll turn the projector on. He like starts it and we'll just sit there and watch the movie. He never talks to me. I never hear his voice. Wow. We will literally just watch these like slides of things that you know like almost like parallel realities of like how his life would have went mm -hmm. had i never been born um you know like 
how it, he had like a healthy childhood in this reality, you know, and so potentialities. Of, yes, and yeah. he shows wow. me these different things, and like it's it's almost like we're sitting in a car watching like a drive-in wow. movie together, but we don't actually talk. So I'm like, I don't know if like his energy is actually there or if somehow we're just like still connected and so i'm seeing that like because i'm connected to him he's not necessarily connected to me there's probably enough of a boundary intact that you're not actually able to communicate right you know verbally but you can like energetically yeah 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 yeah. oh that's that's really interesting yeah um so we spend time in kamaloka and then as it comes to completion, our soul lapses into a period of unconsciousness that precedes movement into the next phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be compared to like a really heavy, deep sleep. Okay. And then we awaken into what's known as Devachan. So mm-hmm. Devachan is, um, is like heaven. Okay. Essentially, it's like the, you know, the, the Christian heaven or the, the Greek Elysium. So it's like or the Greek or Roman Elysium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very peaceful. We uh, come back into contact with our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this period of okay, the, so the period of sleep before we get to David John is is um, the length of time essentially, or how how deep it is, is determined by how spiritually minded we mm-hmm. were in life. Okay. So. You know, for the for people who were attuned to, to to the mysteries and who lived a life more dedicated to what's um, known as the horizontal path of service, um, the period is relatively short because you were already kind of thinking that way. Right, you were already uh, kind of facing the shadow yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think exactly. that's why shadow work is so important mm-hmm. is because it makes this process so much easier and like almost less traumatizing because you've already dealt with it. So yeah. you can move yeah. right through it. You're like, okay, I faced that. I don't hate myself. I'm not holding myself back for that one thing I did. Like, I don't know. I think it makes the transition smoother. Yeah, absolutely. So you processed a lot of what you would process in Kamaloka exactly. while you were conscious. You right. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but for people who are more materialistic, or the you know what's known as the vertical path of self, where mm-hmm. they're pretty much focused on, you know, their small ego, their conditioned personality, and you know, uh, fulfilling desires of the ego. I mean, mm-hmm. it's much harder because it's it's harder to shed that because right. you were really intensely attached, attached yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, so it makes the the shedding process more extensive and problematic. Right. Yeah, I've been reading the Emerald Tablets, and and it talks about, like, formlessness. And I think about this as, like, to be formless, like, that's really your true self, like, who you are. But, like, because the form itself is an illusion, you know? So if you can become formless while you're still alive and, Mm -hmm. like, you're already aware of that aspect of yourself, like, you're not, like, as shocked or freaked out, like, when it happens. And you're like, oh, yeah, I've done this before. Like, I know what it's like to be formless. That's why meditation is so valuable yes. in so many ways. So many ways. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really prepares you for what you experience without your body. Right. You know, because sure. your body's not really involved in meditation. I mean, you're trying to get it as still and comfortable as possible so that right. you can kind of transcend it, actually. Right. You know? right. Yeah. So, um, really, once the lower nature is shed and we move into to Devachan, Mm-hmm. Like I said, what we what we think of as uh, heaven or Elysium for remember um, the movie uh, Gladiator. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, I totally did. quoted that in my yearbook. That was yes. why my senior quote was what yeah. we do uh, yeah. on earth echoes through eternity. Yeah, so eternity. I've literally been like, I've had this thought in my mind since I was very young. <laughs> I know. It's it's fascinating. But they, 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 those people were, the ancient people were really attuned to the afterlife. Right. It was a big part of their everyday existence. You know, right. we, we tend to, we tend to kind of overlook it. Right, it's you like know, we don't want to think about right, it. Right, because we're not we sure it. about it. And we, we're, we have a lot of doubts and questions about it. So we uh, we really try to avoid it. It's kind of a scary thing. And it and it can be used to influence us very negatively. Right. You know, as we've probably seen quite a bit in right. the past because year that fear, and a half or yeah, so. That yeah. fear is going to control what you do. I mean, I think about like how sad it is to be so afraid of death that you never actually live. Exactly. So what's the... What's the point in living, you know, if you're just yeah. going to be afraid to go out of your house, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're 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 clinging to a to a life that's not very fulfilling right. at all. And we're mm-hmm. all going to die. We are. Yeah. It is a yeah. fact. Yeah, you're not going to you're not going to get to skip that one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Davidson is is often described as a place of bliss that is far more vivid than the most vivid dream. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I love that imagery. Uh, it's a kind of transcendental ideal continuation of the life that we just lived right Uh, i was was reading something and it was talking about davitron and it was saying that there's like this kind of allusion to it that like a mother would even if her child is like an addict or having a really rough time on earth that in davitron uh she sees her son as healthy and in an ideal state right because if she was distracted by the suffering like the healing and like the bliss and the you know because there's like a lot going on here it would distract her from what she's actually supposed to be doing there Mm -hmm. so you see your family and your loved ones in like the healthiest right way so it's like this illusion but it's for your your own good that you're seeing in that way yeah yeah because it's a it's really it's a rest period right it's a period of like rest and recuperation before your next incarnation Right, right essentially um This real—it's interesting because it follows, um, like what we said, uh, the Kamaloka. But there's also um, there's also the possibility that we can um, we can actually transcend the reincarnational cycles. So if we if we get to the point where we have developed our consciousness to this level, and and and. Tantric philosophy is known as Anugraha, or the uh, at this point, the, there's something that's termed the continuity of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So consciousness continues. So you don't l- actually lose consciousness when you die. Mm-hmm. You maintain the same consciousness that you had when you were alive because you've advanced it to the point to where the the uh, space or the boundaries between the realms are not as strong as they are for most people. So mm-hmm. you can kind of weave your way in and out of them mm-hmm. consciously. Right. Um, you know, the, um, here, the ascended masters, the bodhisattvas that we hear about the right. saints, you know, the, the, these people are, you know, they've, they've kind of completed the, you know, the hero's journey of the soul, I right. suppose you could say. And they can and kind they, of come and go as they please now, you yeah. know, like they work with us like energetically, yeah. but, I feel like they can almost manifest too if they want to, like, because they've been physical before. Mm-hmm. You know, they know what it it's like to be physical, but they're not bound to the the density. Right. 
You no. know, they can kind of come in and go like when they're needed and they're not just going to have to start a karmic cycle again. Right, or... right, right. And so they essentially what they're doing is helping. Right. You know, they're helping, you know, uh, teach the path of liberation. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the, um, the experience of, of the uh, post-Kamaloka state is unique to each of us. So it manifests around and within us based on the way we conducted our lives mm -hmm. and the deepest beliefs we have surrounding the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So we can move into Devachan and experience the most wonderful bliss surrounded by loved ones and friends and you know the wonderful experiences that we have had in life. Mm -hmm. intensified right you know and um or we can descend into darkness yeah yeah depending on on what our i mean if, if if you if you really believed in your life that you were going to burn in hell right you may experience that right so you yeah have to be Later, very cautious I was, yeah about, i was gonna ask about um like what a, an atheist sees because they mm -hmm. literally imagine it as a dark slate you know like i used to date an atheist and like he was like it's nothing it's just it's black you know and I, and that was, it made me like claustrophobic to even think about it i'm like i just i need some kind of vision or something to to get me past that idea like it never yeah. made sense to me but yeah yeah that's it, it, it's frightening fortunately it's temporary but it's still incredibly intense right i bet mm, you know so it's a you know it's a reflection of how we were in life. If we if we worked for good and if we served and helped others, then David John David John will reflect that. Right. Yeah. So we'll have much more of a blissful experience. If we lived a selfish, self-absorbed life, or we intentionally caused harm to ourselves or others, then uh, it's going to be way darker experience. Mm -hmm. um, what's interesting though is that through this, we ultimately become aware that we and we alone are responsible for our experience right. of life, of death, and the afterlife, and what we experience in our next incarnation. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really up to us, ultimately, right. and it's a reflection of our karma. Right. Um, so in this way, we slowly begin to understand that life is fair and that all souls are created equally. Right, and you don't just get to escape it. I think of this Yogananda yeah, quote, and he was yeah. like... Like if, if dying, you know, just made you some kind of angel, like, why don't we all just jump off a bridge and get wings? You know, he's like, yeah. you don't get to avoid no. the work because you die. So like people think, oh, well, you know, I'm saved, you know, even though they continue to just harm people around them, it doesn't matter. Like if you were in this lower vibration and this negative energy, like you're going to take that with you, you know, you, you don't get to become an angel just because you die. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the biggest misconceptions out there. That if you're saved or whatever, that then then you then you can just do whatever you want, right? You know, and you're going to be fine, right? You can that's just, like, actually not true. People, and... that's not that's not true according to the ageless wisdom, right? That is definitely not, and it true. doesn't even sound true. Like it never no. did fully make sense to me. You know, like it's, it's not logical. It's a lifelong process of yeah. like like that saved thing. You have to like carry it with you. Like if you want to be Christ like your whole life, then you'll have a good experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, hopefully with that said that we'll learn how to, uh, you know, make wise choices mm -hmm. and live our lives in a way that, uh, we, we realize that we have personal responsibility for what, what we experience. And that goes into the afterlife as well. Is there any like, 
speculation on like the time frames that we spend in some of these mm-hmm. um, spheres and states is it different for different belief systems yeah that's a good question um i think it's relative um in all honesty um based on everything that i've read and it, it, it again it has to do with our karma you know our karma is it, it's really critical so it's important to understand that while um I'll say that while we may perceive uh, time, you know, in, in material life, we perceive it linearly, mm-hmm. right? Like one moment leads to the next and it's, it's just, you know, like clockwork essentially. But, right. you know, in the, in the realms beyond material reality, uh, time is figured completely differently. It's, uh, I've often seen it described as duration. Mm-hmm. So it's like, the, it's like a continuation of the present moment in a way that's hard for us to understand right, right now because we're so used to like the linear passing of time. Right. Yeah. So really it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very, very relative. Um, um, now, interestingly, the Buddhist, the, the Buddhist idea of what's called the bardo, mm-hmm. which essentially evolves all the states that we've talked about so far. So the, the moment of death, Kamaloka and Devachan is mm-hmm. supposed to last for 49 days. Okay. Yeah. And what I, I have no idea what that means, actually, or <laughs> what that's based on. Um, I, I still believe it's highly subjective because even if it was 49 days, we wouldn't experience it as 49 like Earth days. Right. Because time's so wobbly there. Yeah. Yeah. It's wobbly. <laughs> it's, it's very wobbly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was reading about, or I was watching a video. I think you sent it to me um, where he was talking about the big difference is like if a baby dies it's like it was never fully in the body or so, or like mm-hmm. it was still integrating physically because you yeah. like until you're seven you're still kind of coming in yeah. and he was talking about how like when babies die or very young children die they kind of skip over this of tron and they just sort of reincarnate like Almost because they never mm-hmm. really created karma they never you know and and the, this is why he was saying that some of these children uh, have memories you know a past life because they were like before they were seven when they passed so it's like they were oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah, the yeah, mind totally is still the same kind of like where we actually have to lose all of that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and it gets stripped from us we get a whole new personality but he was saying that sometimes every now and then these children will have memories of their past lives and it was yeah. because they were so young when they crossed over so it's different for like a very young child compared to someone who's older and had lots of experience. Oh, of course. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you, that, that's also true with, uh, prodigies, mm-hmm. you know, people who like understand how to play musical instruments right, at very young taught. ages without being taught. Yeah. It's like, it's a holdover from a past life. Right. Yeah. There's some interesting work being done back. on that right now that I've, I've read a little bit about it, but I'm certainly no expert on it at all. But, yeah, the whole idea of, of prodigies is kind of a, an affirmation of reincarnation. Right. You know, because how else would somebody know how to play a piano right. expertly as a five-year-old? Right. I've you even know. heard of children, like, speaking uh, different languages, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. like it, than what they're raised in or, like, like, because they incarnate immediately, they can remember, like, where their old house was and, yeah. like... They're like under the floorboard in the attic. There's a picture of me and my mom, and like mm-hmm. so they can actually go and like you know it's it's really cool because it almost like 
helps people like us, you know, to really mm-hmm. say, okay, there's a lot of validity to this. Like, how would this child know this, you know? So Yeah, it's uncanny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's... like Ian Stevenson's work. He has a lot of really cool, the childhood reincarnation stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating subject. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, be involved in some research with that. And that's oh, yeah. super interesting. I love that stuff. Yeah. So um, what are some of the different experiences for victims of unnatural death or like violent death? Um, according to the Ageless Wisdom, they aren't truly dead. Like a really violent death or an mm-hmm. unnatural death. So you're only, you're only like partially dead. And you it's like you have to live out the rest of you. Like if you, if you died, like say in a war or something mm-hmm. and your karma was to live out a full life, right? You know, then you have to like live out that life and you would do that in kind of an in-between state in Kamala, in the uh, Kama Loka or astral realm. Okay. Yeah. They're known as earth walkers or ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that everybody's had like this, it, well, not everybody, but many people have had experiences of, of ghosts or phantoms or, you know, mm-hmm. what they experience is, as kind of beings from other realms, like in their in their presence or in their current reality. Right. And that's what it is. Right. And According- it's like they don't realize that they're dead. Yeah. You know? And I kind of felt like this when my dad first crossed over because he really thought he was going to make it out of the surgery. So in his mind, he's going to have surgery. He's going to come out, you know, and they had put him under all this anesthesia. And so like, I felt like he was disoriented, but I swear he did not want to cross over. Like the TV would turn on. He'd look like Andy Griffith show, you know, yeah, I'd wake up and yeah. I'd be like, what the heck? So I, my um, yoga teacher was talking about like chanting a call and like that, that's one of the things that you can do so that these, you know, beings don't get trapped because they need to cross over. And like, I remember almost being sad about it because I was like, well, you know, he's still here. And like, yeah. like I had this like weird, you know, I was like, I've got to help him like move on. But I felt like it was because he was so disoriented that he literally was getting trapped and it was violent. He bled like he was basically murdered. Yeah. Okay. But having yeah. this surgery he that they knew would kill him. Mm-hmm. And like he's cut open. I mean, that seems violent to me, even though it's yeah. by doctors. Like it's right. very, I don't know. Like it, it was it's not unnatural. Ex- yes, it was unnatural. Yeah. And it was like a week before I did the chant. And once I did it, I swear it was like he was just gone. You know, like mm-hmm. there was no weird uh, things being moved around. You know, I wasn't like paranoid that like I would see something, you know. So I was like, you've got to stop spooking me. because. So the chant brought him comfort. Right. So he was and able it, to, he was able to integrate his experience in a way that allowed right. him to move on. Right. And they <clears> like <throat> my yoga teacher like cuz kundalini yoga is like comes from like the Sikhism or yeah. Sikhism. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. this is just something that they do. Like they chant a call when someone passes, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like an automatic thing, you know, but I had mm-hmm. never even heard about it. So I feel like like it worked out in his favor that I just happened to come across that yeah. information, you know. Yeah. But it was like I grieved again when I had chanted a call, you know, mm-hmm. like a whole nother wave of like, okay, I'm, I'm really letting you go this time. Yeah. Like, but it was a beautiful thing. Like, okay, now you can go do the work, you know, and do the healing. It's actually need. a deeper connection probably than you, than you ever felt with, with him in life. Oh, <clears throat> it's I almost like imagine. you nurtured him into yes. the next phase of his existence. Yeah. And... It was very much like he was a child, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like the last memory I have of him getting wheeled back there 
he looked back at me and he was like a six-year-old boy yeah. and like when he was right before you know i did the call it was like he was still like it was like i was the mother yeah and he was the child and like we were working together and like i was just like nourishing him this time you know yeah. like to help him because he was that's beautiful yeah i was like he was afraid like he didn't want to leave me you know because mm-hmm. like he wasn't prepared like he, no. he was sh- we were both shocked by it you know mm-hmm. so yeah it was definitely a beautiful experience like and think about how many people are actually going through that because there's a lot of unnatural or untimely right. death, you know, that occurs in our world. So right. there, there's a lot of, you know, paranormal activity happening right. because these people are clinging to their former lives, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't, A, they need to live them out in some right. way and B, they don't really know that they're dead. Right, because and they it need someone. Yeah. yeah, they almost like need someone that can go in between and yeah. help. Or like you think about with like with purgatory and like Catholicism, it's like they pray for them. They're you know, and a lot of religions do this. They have like this like week or whatever that they spend, you know, like saying goodbye. Like they, it's almost like they know that it doesn't happen immediately. Like mm-hmm. that they're you know that there is a window where they might get stuck. So it's important to do the prayers and. That's an important tradition because it makes a difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would definitely make a difference. Right. We'd probably have less ghosts if we were like spending yeah. a little more time, you mm-hmm. know, like especially with the unnatural deaths. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or the, you know, the the ones that like, you know, that happen that happen suddenly, you mm-hmm. know, like car accidents or right. you know, whatever. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So according to their karma, some may fulfill this time in a dreamy sort of sleep state while others may suffer greatly depending on the nature of their deaths. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it just, again, it it goes back to karma. So some are attracted to, to mediums, right? People, mediums or, you know, like psychic people that are, that may be like calling out into the astral realm to, to connect with people. And, uh, you know, we really haven't talked about that, but, um, that's an interesting thing because um, Blavatsky and, you know, all the, you know, ascended masters that she w- was working with are mm-hmm. very much against like seances and right. mediumship and trying to intentionally contact or form a bridge with people on the right. other side, aside from what you're talking about. Right. Where they hadn't fully even yeah, crossed yet. Yeah, where they hadn't fully even crossed yet. But once they're actually over there and you're, but if you're trying to, and it's for your benefit rather right. than theirs. It's distracting them. Like it, it is. It pulls them away. I feel like it's, yeah. they need, they're doing something. They're busy, you yeah. know? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they've got their own business to attend to and we don't need to be like trying to bother them or influence them. And also we can contact they're 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 opportunistic beings in the mm-hmm. astral realm that can jump on that. Right. You know, like we've heard about demonic possession mm-hmm. or succubi or incubi. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, that can kind of latch on to to people that are doing that. You know, right. they have to be invited in. Right. But that's what you're doing with a seance, or you uh-huh. know, when you're when you're Ouija when, boards and stuff. Yeah, I you're accidentally... actually inviting. Yeah, it ends. So. I accidentally played with a Ouija board. I was really young, and I had had a couple of glasses of wine, and my friend had it, and I played with it with her, and I was, like, blown away. I'm a little tipsy, so I ain't paying attention. But, like, he's, like, answering all these questions. We're like, oh, this is cute. And then he's, like, talking about how he was murdered. And I was oh, like, my gosh. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. But it's a perfect example of, like, he he was stuck because he had been murdered. Right. So he couldn't cross over. Mm-hmm. But it was awful. Like, I swear to God, that whole apartment, like, was creepy. I had to I had to move. I was like, I cannot do this. Yeah, like, every mirror. Yeah. And then, like, the technology, like, 
he I came home from work and my iPod started playing like the Stevie Nicks song and mm-hmm. then I looked and it wasn't even plugged in and I was like oh my god like you've I've got to get out of here <laughs> but like it really did it unleashed this energy and it's not even that he was bad mm-hmm. but he was lingering and I because yeah, we had invited yeah. and I was like I will never play around with that stuff again especially not if I'm inebriated <laughs> like it was so dumb so like just don't mess around with it if you're not prepared for what could latch on for sure. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that that would actually happen until you've experienced it. Yes. You know, I had an interesting experience because I lived in my uh, grandparents' house when my kids were little. Mm-hmm. And my aunt, who I never met, she died before I was born. She died at a young age. She had mm-hmm. leukemia. And, um, no, 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 excuse me. She had tuberculosis, actually. Okay. And she died at, you know, in her early 30s. And there was no question that she was haunting right. the house. I would see like her out of the corner yes. of my eye, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, wow, what was that? You know? And then I also kept seeing this, this little like dog next to her. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that she had a dog. And I asked my dad, I said, did, did Grace, her name was Grace. I said, did she have a, a dog when, you know, right before she died? And he said, yeah, yeah, he did. She had a little white dog that Aww. she kept with her all the time. It was her constant companion. And it was with her wow. in the, in the, uh, in the afterlife. And, um, Another interesting thing that happened was my my son was still in his crib. My my first my my um my oldest son was still in his crib, and I was watching him one day. He was just standing there, kind of holding on. He was learning to stand up, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, he flipped out of the crib in the air, did a flip in the air, and landed <laughs> on the floor. And there's no way that he could have generated that himself. Wow. And it wasn't a trampoline, anything right. like that. But she, she had done that, you know? Right. What's... And you talk about, like, <laughs> chills. Oh, my God. That was the creepiest thing that I've ever... I'm like, I, there's really something happening here. Right. You know? And you're, like, related witnessed it to firsthand. this yeah. person. Like, yeah. this isn't just some random yeah. spirit. Like, it she's was... She's trying to get our attention. Right. You know, she's like, if I throw the child, maybe they'll pay attention to me. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. yeah. She's a little stunned. So, do you feel like she ever... Made passed it. over yeah. no i ended up moving out of the house yeah yeah because of other circumstances but mm-hmm. uh, i don't i don't know i, I don't think so i, I think that she said because my nephew moved in and he had a bunch of weird experiences too so i think she was she was still there and she, i mean she may still be and someone needs to i mean this this was so how 60 old would she 70 be years ago if she was oh she'd right be now. she'd be 90 so she could technically still be living out yes. the life that she was supposed. So she could cross over soon because yeah. that maybe her lifespan would have been. Yeah, like 90. yeah, yeah. Her lifespan could have been ninety years or whatever. Right. And she, yeah. Sure. That's sure. interesting. Yeah. Extremely. I guess we could um, talk about the Mahasamadhi. So. Yes. Um, how would you describe it, and how is it a different experience to the death of an unenlightened person? Yeah, Mahasamadhi is a fascinating topic. Um, it's only possible for people who have fully integrated this small ego or the conditioned personality with the larger ego or the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a. Um, do you have a Reiki training? A Reiki training? Yeah, do you, have you done a Reiki um, training? Before? I've done an online course. Okay. So I can like do it on myself, you know, but um, I don't, you know, make money off of it or anything. Right. Okay. So when, when you get a Reiki master, uh-huh. there's there's a uh, there's a uh, meditation that you do before you actually do the work, and it's it's uh, it says, 
that you establish your divine presence on earth. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially um, what is happening with people who are able to to experience Mahasamadhi. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it's um, you're pulling the fullness of your soul into your current incarnation, mm -hmm. essentially. So you you've you don't you don't. It's interesting because a lot of people think that you try to transcend where you are and go to where your soul is. It's actually mm -hmm. the opposite of that. It's like the, the soul manifests fully in the physical form. Mm -hmm. So they don't experience, I think we mentioned this earlier, they don't experience any separation between the realms right, right. because of that. Mm -hmm. you know, so the realm of the soul is, the, is identical to the realm of the, of the material world at that point. Right, so they can just like walk right through basically. Yeah, because... yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an intent, they, they intentionally choose the moment of their death. Right. Yeah, and it's not like a suicide or anything because it's not, they're not trying to escape anything. Right, they've already done, like yeah. it's usually probably after they've done their purpose. Like I think of Yogananda yeah. saying, like he's like, I, my heart's going to stop after I give this last yeah. speech, like my yeah. work will be done. Yeah. And like he knew it and he, to he literally like told his students and then, you know, he speaks his last word and he drops. And he like, yeah. But is that, would that be an example? That was a Mahasamadhi. Because yeah, he definitely. knew He it planned gonna, it. Yeah. You know, he knew what it was, when it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, another interesting uh, example is um, in Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Remember, in, did you see Empire Star, the Empire Strikes Back? I have seen Star all the Star Wars all many times. Many times. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when, when, uh, when Luke goes to, goes to study with Master Yoda uh -huh. on the, on the planet, I think it's called Dagobah, maybe. Uh -huh. um, anyway, uh, Yoda passes at that time. Right. And he just, his, he just disappears. Right. Remember, remember that? Yes. So he's lying, he lies down and he intentionally passes so that that was a metaphor for Mahasamadhi actually right so like Luke's asking these questions and he's just like you know he doesn't even fully answer them all he's like well this is going to be on you to figure out yeah like, he's I'm, like I'm my time my time here is done yeah right. yeah yeah so he was like in that dependency that he was going to have you know he's like you're going to have to figure this out I can't be here with you any longer like yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So, so essentially, the 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 yogi or the saint or whoever has reached such an exalted state of consciousness that they be become a being of all realms while still in their physical body. Yeah. So they choose the moment of their passing. Um, yeah, it's incredibly beautiful. So, do you think there's you know that people are doing this like pretty regularly, like in you know, I guess in India and people like that, I think about like Yogananda's teacher did this too. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, are people in India just like, you know, more aware of this to where, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. cause like, I don't know I if so. many people in America are doing this. <laughs> no, well, people in America don't devote themselves to, to achieving that level of consciousness. Right. I well, mean, they it, don't even know about it. No, they don't. But I mean, it, 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 to, to attain that level of consciousness, you pretty much have to devote your entire life to it. All right. So that's like bhakti. Yeah. Yoga or yeah. It's like the yoga of devotion. Like. Yeah. I mean, you're completely devoted to your own, uh, you know, enlightenment right essentially and you're willing at that point you're you know you're willing to do whatever is required to to achieve that state of consciousness you, you feel know like they're born into it like if you looked at like yogananda's astrological it, chart do you think based on like his past lives that when he was born he knew he was going to reach mahasamadhi in this life yes so he was literally like from a child he was already on the path yes there was no distractions mm, yeah so it's almost like something like you probably could learn it later on in life but it's almost something that's like 
like your destiny in this life. Right. You know, from the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's, you know, you, you don't pick it up in your thirties. Right. Right. It, 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 you have to kind of establish it as your, as your mind and your body and your neuromuscular system are all developing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if, if, it's it's really hard to give up material pleasures mm-hmm. as an adult who's experienced them a lot, right, you know. Right. But as a, as a child, if you never experience any of those things and you you're devoted from childhood, then it's much easier to maintain that path throughout your life. Right, and they pick yeah. families. They do that support it. So you think about someone like Jesus, or you know, who like his parents knew he was coming. You know, yes. like his his birth was predestined. So, you know, they supported him during this time and like he knew his purpose. So it wasn't like he was born to some family that was, you know, like drugs. It was just like, well, figure it out, man. Like, no, they like nourished that in him and helped guide him into that path. You yeah, know, and th- yeah. the same with Yogananda, he had very good parents yes. that were aware of the spiritual life. Yeah. And he and he had it because of his karma. His right. karma created, you know, the birth situation. Cr- yeah, it created the birth situation. Yeah. He didn't like, you know, look down from David Chan <laughs> and say, "Oh, I want them as parents because I think right. they'll support me." But it, it just ma- it just naturally manifested life. because yeah. of his karma. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he literally couldn't have gone to a family of drunks or abusers right or whatever his vibration was, was so too high. high it was going to require exactly a certain combination like uh-huh. of parents to like meet that vibration yes. for him to come into 100 percent. it's important to understand that because you know that 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 really like solves a lot of questions that we have in life like why do children innocent children suffer right and they suffer because of their car i mean i'm it, it you know, I'm not saying this not compassionately because right. suffering is terrible for, right. for anyone, particularly innocent children. But, right. but they're in that situation because of their past karma, according, right. according to these teachings. Anyway. Right. Yeah. I've read like yeah. with like handicaps and stuff like that. Like yeah. it's literally carried over or it helps them um, with a lesson. So maybe like they're less in the ego because of this handicap. Mm-hmm. So they're not worried about like the, some of the physical or the, the stuff that doesn't matter, you know, because. Right. Like, it's just not a part of that. Or, like, some of these autistic children, they don't care what they look like. They're not worried what you think about them. They're just living, you know? Yeah. They're just, like, they do what they want to do, and they're not even distracted by that. So it's no. almost, like, set up that way so that they can really focus on, like, this one thing, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, which is different for every child, you know? Yeah. But it allows other people, you know, compassion, and it helps their karma. So, yes. you know, there's these people that suffer, and then other people... Who you are know, helping them yes. get the opportunity to help. And Yeah, and so they, maybe it's like these, almost like a contract beforehand, like, hey, I'm going to show up as like some beggar on the street, and you're going to finally get this opportunity, you know? So it's almost like, I feel like sometimes we buddy up with people, and we're like, I'll be the... The poor person this time. You'll be the rich man. Like it's all so intricately woven together. It just ends up working out, you know, right. because 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 everything is that highly organized, right? You know that if that you know if if you're a you know person who's suffering, then you naturally attract people who are uh, attracted to the path of service, right? You know, and it ends up working out in the end. So mm-hmm. so with, with with that with that knowledge and that understanding, it kind of it kind of allows a sense of peace to kind of permeate like 
really difficult situations that you observe in your life. Right. So you, you don't know? just get so caught up. Yeah. Like on the the, that's unfair or, right. you know, because, because if you think it's unfair, then maybe that's your Dharma, like to go there mm-hmm. and to work with that, exactly. those children that mm-hmm. you've seen on the commercial or whatever. Maybe that's your whole purpose. So. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I would say that 100% that it is. Right. Yeah. If you feel like it's unfair, then you're being called to go there and work yes. in that situation. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. We've talked a little bit about some of the Eastern religions. Um, could you share with us a little bit about Nirvana and like how it's, you know, reached? Or... Yeah, Nirvana is a, you know, it's a, it's a Buddhist concept. Um, it, it's kind of similar to what we just talked about with the, with the uh, Mahasamadhi uh, in that um, only a person who had reached nirvana would be able to have a mahasamadhi. Okay, so that yeah, yeah, it's just like from a different culture. But yeah, similar. yeah. So it's a uh, it's a state of absolute being and absolute consciousness that exists beyond all attachment and desire found in the material world. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you've essentially transcended uh, any form of uh, need or desire that you have as a, as a, a physical human being mm-hmm. at that point. Um, it's acquired by moksha or liberation from what's called samsara or mm-hmm. suffering. Um, Which is like the wheel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like the, it's like the end of the hero's journey. It's called anugraha in uh, uh, tantric philosophy. Uh, it's a per- perfected state of being achieved when the reincarnating ego or soul has reached its ultimate goal and it's blended with all that is at that point yeah so that leads us to some really interesting discussion yeah yeah um so the buddha okay it it leads us to the topic of non-attachment maybe we can talk about this for a minute it's kind of it's pretty interesting i think because mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of big in the world right now yeah. the spiritual world okay so the buddhists particularly zen buddhists are huge on the idea of non-attachment mm-hmm. okay now originally non-attachment was me meant not being attached to one's lower nature so mm-hmm. any type of desire that wasn't spiritual in nature right. was an attachment um so it must eventually be overcome or transcended to disdain, to attain the deepest levels of spiritual awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, that's in direct um, opposition to the uh, dualist philosophy of tantrism. And you know, we talked about tantrism the first time uh-huh. I was on here, you know, and uh, which would say that the lower nature attuned with the material world and the higher nature attuned with the spiritual world are one and the same. Mm-hmm. And that there's no separation right. between the two. So we don't need to transcend our lower natures. Instead, we need to embrace our lower natures and find balance, right. you know, with the lower nature and the higher nature. Um, so, if you if you if you think that way, then all aspects of life are considered sacred, and there's no separation because the mm-hmm. because the 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 non-dualists are um, um, no excuse me the dualists are that they they believe that there's a there's separation between the lower nature and the higher spiritual nature, and mm-hmm. that the lower nature has to be overcome. Um, now. There's two types of nirvana. There's one uh, that's called uh, dharmakaya, which is when you allow your consciousness to completely absorb 
into the you know to the deeper layers of reality mm-hmm. or the deeper consciousness and uh, that's actually considered a selfish act mm-hmm. and interestingly enough um by the by those who are called nirvanis or people who've experienced that level of consciousness they mm-hmm. they consider that if you choose to completely divorce yourself from everything else that's going on around you and allow yourself to be completely absorbed into mm-hmm. kind of cosmic consciousness or whatever that you would that, that it, it's it's a, a selfish act right you're like abandoning your yeah. fellow man yeah whatever. yeah 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 so there's another there's another aspect of nirvana known as nirmanakaya Okay. And that's like the ascended masters of theosophy, like the Master Morias and the Kutumis uh-huh. and Joel Cools, and you know they're 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 helping humanity right. on you know they're helping people understand, get, gain a deeper understanding of the path of liberation. Right. So there's this there's this dedication to service that is continuing on mm-hmm. after enlightenment. Right. Essentially, it's a really beautiful thing. Um, Another thing that's interesting is this whole concept of uh, attachment. Um, maybe we can talk about that for a minute. So the desire to be unattached is actually a desire, is actually an attachment in itself. So you're essentially, if you, if you want to be detached, then you're attached to the to need detachment. to be detached. <laughs> right. Right. So you can't get past, you can never get past desire. And it, it kind of creates a karmic loop that uh-huh. that once that stays with the person regardless of you know how how far they take it um you can't get past desire because you either desire to transcend your lower nature or you desire to embrace your spiritual nature and be non-attached mm-hmm. right so desire remains bound in the causal body which manifests as the ascendant on one's uh, natal chart okay yeah so desire must be fulfilled or the reincarnational cycles continue. So okay. we, have, we have preference, right? Mm-hmm. So no one exists beyond preference. Thus, we have the power to choose to embrace our desires or to choose the detachment. Right. But if so we, it's not evil either way. It's, it's not. Just a different no, path. it's just a different path. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, but the bottom line is that you can't, you can never become truly non-attached. Right. Because there's if, always a desire to be attached to something yeah or a desire to be non-attached yeah 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 it's a, it's a fascinating concept now with that said there's also there's a new kind of way of thinking about this and it's not so much um non-attachment to the lower nature per se it's mm-hmm. more of an attachment to outcomes uh, okay. detachment to outcomes so in that way you can kind of embrace both the the non-dualism and the dualism mm-hmm. simultaneously so you can you can you know experience pleasure or you know the desires of the lower nature but uh-huh. you just aren't attached to how it actually plays out right so you just kind of let you just kind of okay with it and let it be so you're just like flowing yeah yeah it's kind of a kind of a flow state of consciousness Interesting. yeah so you know in the old days it was much more severe it's like you had you had to be a renunciate or Mm -hmm. uh you know um a um an ascetic to Mm -hmm. truly be detached because otherwise you were attached to physical pleasure Right. So in the modern world, we've kind of we've kind of modified that a little bit, and we said, okay, it's fine to experience pleasure, 
or the lower nation, but we're just not going to be attached to the outcome of it. Right. So if you experience it and you have a bad experience, then you've got to be okay with that. Or, right. you know, you, you know, you end up losing your, your lover or right. whatever, then, you know, you, you just, you just go Almost with like it. It's like a stoic or something. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. you recognize that we're all mortal. You recognize that you have no control, you know, and you just release that. Yeah. You're just living. Yeah. So, so, so Really, you know, if you if you want to practice non-attachment, practicing non-attachment to outcomes is a much more reasonable way of going about that for most people. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder, like, with people who are, you know, trying to cut themselves off from, like, their lower energies, like, are they, do they have to do special exercises, like, to stay grounded? And because really, I think about, you know, are, they're really just focused on, like, the heart up, but I just... I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a reason why we're born, like, with the full, like, energy body. And I feel like to cut yourself off from half of it, like, it's almost limiting the human experience. Yeah. But maybe they're they're trying to be less human. I don't know. Because I feel like those lower energies keep us grounded. Mm -hmm. And they also make us human. It feels you know? like it feels like an escapist kind of thing. It's right. like It's like, you know, you're you, you don't want to or you're afraid that experiencing the the lower nature is somehow sinful and it's going to hold you back right, in or some create way. karma or yeah or create negative karma so i karma. think about yeah. like mm -hmm. um people you know that don't you know want to mate because the like having a child really binds you to the earth because you want to make sure that they're okay. You don't want to leave them, no. you know. And so i i can get that almost the idea of like not wanting to reproduce but it just always seems bizarre to me to fully cut yourself off mm -hmm. from, you know, the all of those energies. I feel like it would create a weird imbalance. Like you would have to do things to to keep like yeah to ground harmony, yourself. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. If you weren't if you weren't doing like pretty consistent devotionally based yoga practices, then you would you would have a tendency to get really. Ungrounded. Like you're like dissociating the yeah, whole time if you're just yeah. like in the third eye and the crown. And yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just an interesting observation. Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with that 100. percent I'm, I'm much more of a, a tantric philosophist right. than a, than a, uh, you know, a, what's called a Raja Yoga. Uh huh. Philosophy. Um, it, you know, maybe if you'd fully integrated tantric yoga, you might be able to, you know, practice Raja Yoga effectively. But if you start with Raja Yoga, you're going to become you know, really ungrounded really quickly because right. you don't really acknowledge the, you know, the physical body and the desires of the physical or emotional body, you know. Right. I feel like you need like people to help you at that point because mm -hmm. like someone's got to feed you, like someone's got to, you mm -hmm. know, if you're yeah. like, like in meditation 24 seven, like, like who's taking care of like the surroundings, yeah. you know? Yeah. There, well, in, in ancient times, there was a guru that did that. That's right. what the, that was the guru's job was to, it's to know. be in those states yeah. and then come back and, ex you know, yeah. Or to, or to, or... or to take care of the person who is experiencing those states. Right. You know, I mean, that, that was another thing that a, that a guru did was, you know, a complete devotion to their student in that right. way. Right. So right. that their needs were taken care of. And, you know, for the average person, you know, a ra Raja Yoga is not really a legitimate possibility in, right. that, in that way. Because, it definitely is like predestined at that point. Like you incarnate and you're like, I'm only going to focus on this. I don't even want to be physical. I'm only doing this for you guys. So you better take care of me while I'm channeling all this. Yeah, and like a yogananda, you would you would have incarnated in a situation that supported that, right? Where know. people would take care of you. Yeah, 
Yeah. And you would give them the information that you were receiving in all these higher states. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship. In right. That way. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been um, studying a lot of like Egyptian stuff. And yeah. Uh, we all know that they were really into the afterlife and, you know, with their like mummification and all that. So uh, could you give us a little background on the Egyptian Book of the Dead and um, some of the beliefs that the Egyptians had pertaining to the afterlife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, interestingly, is is one of the oldest written works ever discovered. I mean, it, it comes from about the same time as the uh, as the uh, Rig Veda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's thousands of years old. It was written on pap- papyrus, papyrus. Okay. Yeah, and it's essentially a guide, a guide book to how to navigate the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the, the ancient Egyptians um, were, I don't want to say like um, out of balance focused, but they were heavily focused on the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And that was one of their the primary uh, things in their culture was to, was to devote their resources to understanding how to navigate the afterlife. Uh-huh. I and mean, they were completely, uh, absorbed into that. So there's some, their, their greatest minds, you know, their greatest scientists and, uh, you know, artists and, you know, all the, uh, you know, the influential people that had, you know, income to devote to this. I mean, uh-huh. it was all like, pushed in this in the same direction and they uh they developed a lot of understanding and essentially it was put in the egyptian book of the dead so the egyptian book of the dead is is uh is a is a guidebook for navigating the afterlife they called it the duat mm-hmm. and it was uh, my understanding is that the duat is the same as the uh kamaloka okay yeah and they felt like that a person experienced a lot of trials uh-huh. And the Kamaloka. Like, like you uh, you kind of had to prove yourself to get to Devachan. Like it right. didn't just naturally happen. I mean, you like had to, you know, like go through these these trials to, to actually get there. Maybe that's what the seven labors of Hercules is, is based right. on is the is the experience of the duad in the afterlife. I, I don't I don't know for sure, but um And they almost like set themselves up so uh, like when they put things in the tomb, you know, it's like they're going to need those later, yeah. you know, so yeah, that they can exactly. come back to them. Yeah, that's why they would preserve body parts or, or whatever. Right, because yeah. the heart, you know, so they preserve yeah. the heart because the heart comes in and like it's weighed later. So it's like yeah. they get, they ditch all the organs, but the heart is like essential because that yeah. is like the final thing really is like. You have to ask yourself though, did they actually set up the experience of the afterlife that they experienced because of what they believed. Because of what they believed. Yeah. yeah so did exactly. they have to go through all these trials? Yeah. I don't know that they even had to go through all that. Maybe not. You know, right. that, that's a really interesting idea though, that, you know, they, 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 you know, their culture believed that that's what they had to do. Right. Therefore that's what they experienced. Right. Now, you know, as far as like the, you know, the ancient um, mystery schools and the initiations and, and that, you know, a lot of that was was to explore the the afterlife as well. 
there are people who believe. Have you seen this sarcophagus in the in the king's chamber, the Great Pyramid? I think I have. Yeah. yeah anyway, in the king's chamber, the Great Pyramid, there's this really big sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the the lid is missing. It's gone. Uh-huh. You know, but there was a lid at one time, um, and it's believed that that's one of the ways that they they experience the afterlife is that a person would actually get in there and they would use the you know the energetics of the pyramid when it was fully functional uh-huh. to actually send this person this uh-huh. initiate into the into the afterworld the, the duat or the uh-huh. you know the kamaloka and they would you know project their consciousness there and experience it and then they would bring their experiences back and that's kind of how the egyptian book of the dead was 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 written is mm-hmm. based on those those types of experiences because it was the only way that you can you can really understand how to navigate the afterlife is to go there while you're still conscious uh-huh. and then come back and tell about and it. Share. Yeah, yeah. So they would they would take people to the brink of death, uh-huh. you know, and bring them back somehow. You know, no, mm-hmm. we, we don't really know how that was that was done. But again, they they devoted you know millennia to study in that. Think about that. The ancient Egyptian culture was thousands of years old they spent thousands of years studying that i mean the united states has been around not quite 250 years right yeah so a quarter of one millennium Mm -hmm. yeah so we you know we are we haven't devoted nearly as much time and energy as a single culture right to anything like the ancient Egyptians did to, to navigating the afterlife. Right. So they, they devoted, you know, like I said, a tremendous amount of time and resources and their best minds to study in this. So that's what they came up with. And they put it in the Egyptian book of the dead. Right. What do you, so a lot of this is like kind of like the elites, cause not everybody can afford a pyramid. Not everybody can afford to be mummified and all that. What happens to your just everyday person? You know, that's a good question. Do they just dissolve? I, I, <laughs> Do they I, don't I, even like get the chance? You know, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure what happened with the, you know, the, the, yeah, this was pretty much relegated to the, you know, to the, the higher ups. The yeah. And, yeah. The pharaohs. But and the like, I think it's Ani is the, he's just like kind of an everyday person. He's the one that writes the book of the dead. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he was, you know, he may have been involved in some way and trying the, to give the information yeah, to everybody versus yeah. just letting the pharaohs mm-hmm. and yeah because i would say that the pharaohs and the you know the the priests and you know the the elites of egyptian society probably kept their information to themselves right you know that i don't i didn't really i don't really see them as sharing it with the you know, with the common people. So, I, yeah, like you say, I guess this guy was, was trying to get it out there. Right, like everybody needs to at least have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So when they, if they pass all the trials, they make it, their heart, you know, the, is lighter than the feather and all that. Then, like, then what does it look like? Because, like, when I was, you know, looking into it, it's like he's just tending to his fields forever. I mean. No, it goes, it, that's David John. Okay, okay. So they get to David John at that point, or Elysium. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then they just, so they, they don't believe in reincarnation? No, they, they didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, that that's a great question. <laughs> you, you would think that they would have to believe in reincarnation, because that seemed to be like a central core understanding of the ancient world. Uh-huh. But um, maybe they felt like you had to get to David John before you could reincarnate. Right. So they weren't focused on that, the next aspect, they were just focused on getting 
to the place where you could reincarnate. Right. Yeah, maybe they were concerned and that if you... And then not attached to the rebirth or... Yeah. Maybe they were concerned that if you actually didn't pass the trials in Kamaloka that you actually couldn't reincarnate. Right, because, like, if mm. the heart was heavier, then, like, basically you would get, like eaten up by this monster i i can't think of what it's like yeah, multiple yeah, animals yeah. and it just mm-hmm. consumes you and you basically cease to exist yeah yeah yeah. so it makes me think like maybe they thought most of the people when they die just cease just cease to exist yeah 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 the theosophists would not agree with that right they, right. they, they would say that the, that the soul goes on no mm-hmm. matter what except in really rare circumstances um Right. Yeah. So, you know, maybe the ancient Egyptians kind of created that reality for themselves based on their beliefs. You know, maybe, you know, at the very best, we're all like pulling this knowledge through our lens of perception. Right. right. So it's not, you know, going to be. 100% 100% accurate, necessarily. Right. As advanced as the Egyptians were, they weren't um, at a, a state where they were really united with any of the other belief systems, so there was holes, you know, because it really mm-hmm. takes, like, combining them all to yeah. really get a better uh, glimpse of what it might look mm-hmm. like. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they didn't have the uh, the ability to corroborate their, their right. information. But they with... have a good, pe- like, a good chunk of it, you know. It's just yeah. like... Like, the moral life, you know, is, like, the heart, you know? Like, if the heart is heavy, then, you know, you're yeah. going to be held in a lower density, basically. Yeah. So, th- it's like they, they like, introduced us to those concepts. But then, mm-hmm. you know, we kept evolving and expanding. So, like, yeah. we think, oh, they're, you know, they're intelligent. They're so, you know, advanced. But we're more advanced than they are, you know? So Because yeah, we've ways. had more time. We've had, yeah. and we have shared experiences where they only really had their own right you know right and we yeah we built on all that for sure so they you know they may have instead of like annihilation of the cell maybe they just felt like it was trapped in purgatory maybe right well that's like you know the greeks there was like the hades and you just sort of coasted yeah you know (laughs) yeah 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 and that may have been like an annihilation of sorts right because you didn't actually get to experience the uh you know the davidshon or the heaven state yeah Interesting. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're kind of coming to the end of our episode. Um, thank you so much yeah, for coming back. Yeah, that out. was really interesting. It was so good. I can't wait to go back and re-listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been so excited for it. So, um, yeah, I think it's gonna be good. I think a lot of people will be very interested. In yeah, it, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. So, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you, so Astral. Much, yeah. And yeah. thank you all for tuning in. Um, check us out next week on the Astro Hour.